0: Hi, I'm Eric Gurna, Executive Director of Development Without Limits, and this is Please Speak Freely, the podcast where we have honest conversations about youth development and education. It live at the After School for All Challenge on May 8th and 9th in Washington, D.C. The After School for All Challenge is an annual event put on by the After School Alliance where after school professionals and others who care about the field of after school and youth development go to Washington, D.C., learn the latest research and um, other sorts of preparation for advocating for after school programs, and on the second day of the program, they go up to Capitol Hill and actually have meetings with. Congresspeople and senators, and really have a chance to tell them about the difference that after school makes in their community. Pre- present the research about why after school actually has an impact on young people and families and communities, and generally sort of um, get policymakers to support after school programs and continue to support funding for after school programs. This was actually the eleventh annual After School for All Challenge, and the theme this year was translating research into action. This episode's a little bit different from how Please Speak Freely usually is. Instead of being a one-on-one interview, um, I was able to do some interviews and record some of the actual events of the uh, After School for All Challenge and um, even tag along on a visit um, up to Capitol Hill. So here's what you're going to hear. We're going to start out with a, a brief interview with Jody Grant, Executive Director of the After School Alliance, and she'll give us the groundwork for what the Alliance is and what the After School for All Challenge is all about and then uh, you'll hear highlights from a panel with some um, distinguished presenters and speakers, um, and also myself uh, as a respondent on that panel. And uh, we'll go from there to some highlights from uh, the Breakfast of Champions, which is an annual event as part of the After School for All Challenge where policymakers and others are honored for the difference they've made to the field. And uh, then we will tag along with Julie Wild Curry, of the 21st century community learning center programs in Fairbanks, Alaska, as she visits with her senator, Senator Murkowski from Alaska, um, and you know makes the case for after school. Senator Murkowski was a particularly uh, sympathetic ear. She's sponsored legislation for after school programs and is very supportive. Um, but we'll sort of uh, get to see what it's like to have a visit with your senator and um, get them to really be on the side of after school programs. So uh, without further ado. Um, let 's jump right into it, and uh, i 'll sort of come on in between the segments to let you know what you 're going to hear next um, and I hope you enjoy it uh, so here 's Jody Grant of the after school alliance i 'm here in washington d c at the After School for All Challenge with uh, the executive director of the after School Alliance Jody Grant. Welcome Jody
1: Thank you eric
0: So Jody, I know a lot of people in the after school field will be familiar with it, but for those listeners who um, come from you know, the broader field of education or youth development, or even for folks in the after-school field who might not know so much about the Alliance. Um, you know, what's the Alliance about? What does it do?
1: The After School Alliance is a national nonprofit with a really simple mission, which is to constantly look to improve the quality and the quantity of after school programs. So we want programs across the United States, whether they're serving wealthy districts or poor neighborhoods, to be the best quality that they can. We also want to make sure that all kids, regardless of income, have the opportunity to attend a high-quality after school program. Uh, and, and our mission in Washington is really to be a voice for those programs, to be constantly educating policymakers, the media, and to be providing assistance to people back home in communities across the country as to how they can promote, sustain, and expand their programs.
0: Great. And one of the things that you do um, is the After School for All Challenge. And, you know, I, I'm... Um, just becoming familiar with what it really is. Every year I get the announcements and everything, and I've never participated before, partly because I, I always thought, you know, well, I'm not, I don't really consider myself an advocate. You know, I sort of do professional development and, and program design and all of that stuff. But now that I'm here and I'm seeing all these folks I know and all these folks from programs all over the, all over the country, I realize that I've been putting this whole thing in sort of a box it doesn't belong in. Um, this is really an event that attracts people who care about after school.
1: So welcome to your first After School for All Challenge. <laughs> and, you. um, and, and you're spot on, Eric, which is that the goal of the After School for All Challenge is to get sophisticated voices that care about after school, that know a lot about after school, to come to Washington to educate our leaders about what our after school programs are all about. Because they're the ones that are writing the policies that are going to determine our future. There's over $1 billion federal dollars going into after school programs today. We want to make sure that those dollars are going to quality programs and that everything we know about programs is something that they can learn about so that the programs in their communities that are doing well will continue to receive that support and that you know there's there's tweaks that we can make in laws to make it better um, the, the key thing though for people coming here is, is not to really worry about you know spending but telling a member to vote for a specific bill or a specific piece of legislation, it's, it's not about lobbying. It's about educating our members, many of whom support after school, but educating them so that they can become after school champions. So it's not just a, yes, I like after school, but getting to them to the point where they see these programs and they say, this is something my community needs. I'm going to fight for this. Uh
0: And, um, you know, I've, looking at the the program agenda the schedule it's it's clear that a lot of thought goes into the flow of things this isn't just a conference where it's like keynote breakout sessions keynote breakout sessions and and then we move on this is really building towards what you were just describing where um, participants get a chance to go up on the hill meet with their policymakers and build those relationships but um, tell us a little bit about what we're going to what we're going to experience in these in these couple right. days. And,
1: and one of the things, one of our our, um, our challenges when we're, we're putting together a conference like this is we want it to be incredibly hands-on. Mm-hmm. We want people to be excited and, and come out of these meetings feeling really empowered to speak to policymakers. But we also want it to be something where first-timers like you um, can really learn something. And then one of our strengths is the people that have been here, and this is their eighth or ninth challenge, that come back year after year and they're still grabbing something new. So we do everything from in the morning, to Advocacy 101 to panels on what's the latest in federal policy to getting into specifics of some of the hot topics in after school. So things like STEM and the sciences and partnerships with museums and universities, things like physical activity and how that not just promotes mental and physical health, but how it has an impact on how students do in school uh-huh. um, and um, and how we can use physical fitness and access to food and nutrition to help our, our students. And then as we get on in the day, we get in increasingly more sophisticated as we hone in and have sessions for for everyone here to focus on their individual members of Congress and what messages when they go in to meet with those members going to be most powerful. So obviously, we want to showcase great programs. But if we know that one of our members is really into music or another one's into robotics, a third Mm -hmm. one might be into physical activity, how we can take examples from their community of after school programs that highlight their passions to really bring to life why these programs are so valuable.
0: Isn't that interesting? It's, um, you know, the, the youth development approach can really be applied at every level. I mean, what you're talking about is connecting with the interests of the policymakers, connecting, meeting them where they are, really hooking in with what they're already engaged with to get, to get them more engaged in, in what you're there to, to advocate for.
1: That's a, that's a really good way of looking at it. Um, I like that, because I think it, it's true. I think that what works with policymakers is getting them to connect with an after-school program, getting them to understand why it's valuable, and that gets to their passions. And it's exactly what makes an after-school program work, looking at each individual child and figuring out how do you get them to want to come? How do you make this worth their time, uh-huh. worth their parents' time? And um, and if we could, could get that across and even, even make that connection with the policymakers themselves, um, we'll be doing our job right. And this challenge will be a success. The highlight of of the After School for All Challenge, we hope for everyone, is feeling empowered um, that their voice really matters, being able to go talk to your policymaker and recognize that that your voice is helping everyone in your community and and likewise everyone in the country by by just being here. Um, But the way we kick off our our big um, day of Hill visits is with our Breakfast of Champions. And at the Breakfast of Champions this year we have Hercules, Kevin Sorbo, our own After School hero Mm -hmm. uh, coming to Washington To um, to excite everyone to emcee and to honor some of our um, most celebrated members of Congress who have really been stalwart champions, especially in tough times, of protecting and sustaining after-school programs.
0: Can you talk about you know the 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 idea of gearing people up not only to make the connections with and build the relationships, but also to give them the information? Because I think that there's there's like a couple of levels that people can go to with this. There's sort of like we need after school because of child care. We need after school because kids need more time to focus on their studies, or they need enrichment opportunities. But there's there's more of there's more complex arguments than that.
1: There are, and I think it it, it depends on the advocate and the policymaker. But um, but the the ideal session would be talking both about specific stories um, that really that make after school come alive, and then having the data to back up the fact that these programs are working. And you, you really need both. And that's what we want to prepare people to go in there and say, you know, look at my after school program. The children in my after school program have better attendance rates than children that aren't in the after school program. The children in my program have better attitudes about work. The children in my program have bigger aspirations for what they're going to do when they're done with school. So to really show that youth development impact, and then to also show a learning impact. Um, I think that One of the challenges we have in the after-school world is that more and more this country is focusing on high-stakes tests to measure things, and I think that, you know, it's imperative upon us in after-school to make sure that the measurements are broader than that, Uh, and that we are looking at, you know, are we keeping kids in school? Are we, what are we doing to prepare them to succeed? How do we measure those outcomes? Um, And how do we then explain it to policymakers and the media, media so they realize it's valuable? Another thing we do at our Breakfast of Champions that um, that is one of my favorite parts is that we honor some of the students and the programs that are, are so spectacular. And this year, um, one one of our student speakers is going to be Pobo, who's from Brooklyn Castle, a wonderful program in in Brooklyn that really works with kids on chess, and they have. Taken some of these children, and they're now um, not only national, but even world-ranked chess stars. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and Poba's a graduate of the program; he now works there. Mm-hmm. And um, sadly, in this tight economy, it's a program that was just notified that it's going to lose all of its funding in New York mm-hmm. City. So it, it's one of you know thousands of programs, or I guess one. His there's thousands of kids. Um, right. Tens of thousands of kids that are about to lose their programs, and this is devastating in New York, but it's happening everywhere. Yeah. Um, so the time is um, the time is now. Um, there's never been a tougher time for after school programs, and the economy for our programs is not getting better. So we need to have our voices heard.
0: Yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for pointing that out. And you know, coming from New York myself, I'm very aware of the the fights that have been going on there. On the positive side, it's really brought a lot of people out to really advocate. Um, in each neighborhood, in each community, and citywide, to really align um, with you know their partners all over the city. Um, these are organizations that are often competing for funds, but are really coming together for fight to, to, to fight for um, you know the existence of after-school programs. That um, the that's really in in New York, it really feels like an existential threat to the whole field. Um, so many programs are being cut. Hopefully, by the time this podcast comes out, some of those cuts will have been restored um, due to the the advocacy of of um, local program people and professional advocates in, in New York um, but I know that that same fight is happening all across the country so you know thanks for the work that the After School Alliance does in leading the way with that and providing resources for people to, to keep making the case mm-hmm. um, and uh, thanks for sponsoring this episode of Please Speak Freely and for bringing me into the world of advocacy
1: it's it's my pleasure and those resources are free and available to anyone at www.afterschoolalliance.org facts figures how to kits on how to hold an event how to um, reach out to the media how to do a letter to the editor and i encourage everyone um, to go to our website and use them
0: great and we'll put a link up um, along with the podcast when we put this out Um, so thanks for that and um, thanks for being on please speak freely jody thanks eric so that was Jody Grant, Executive Director of the After School Alliance, and now that she's uh, sort of given us the summary of of what the After School for All Challenge is all about, let's hear from uh, the panel, which sort of kicked the whole thing off. The panel was titled "After School Works: Understanding the Evidence and Transforming Research into Action," and it was really about summarizing the current research around um, the impact that after school has and discussing how that research can both be applied to help us improve our programs and also be used to advocate for programs um, to policymakers and others to get them to see why it's important to support these programs. Uh, Terry Peterson, who has been involved in many aspects of the field, including um, working for the Secretary of Education at the time that 21st Century Community Learning Centers first started, um, he is moderating the panel. Um, and then the panelists are Joe Davis of the Florida After School Network, Carol McEvane of American Institutes for Research, and Richard Tagley of Higher Achievement, and myself as a respondent to the panel. Before the panel actually got started, um, we got to see a trailer of the new documentary film Brooklyn Castle, um, followed by remarks by the director and producer of this documentary, Katie Della Maggiore. Brooklyn Castle is a documentary that chronicles the chess team... Brooklyn Castle is a documentary that chronicles the chess team at IS-318, a middle school in Brooklyn, and it really illustrates the power that after-school programs can have in young people's lives and in communities. It recently won the Audience Award at the South by Southwest Film Festival, which is a really big deal. And, um, you know, After School Alliance and others believe that not only is this a powerful story, but it can also be a powerful tool for advocating for after-school programs. You can learn more by going to brooklyncastle.com, and I definitely recommend checking that out. Without further ado, let's hear from Terry and the rest of the panel.
2: Uh, Thank you all for being here very much. On behalf of the After School Alliance, uh, we are thrilled that you have joined us here in our nation's capital, to tell the story of how and why after school works. Also, we are so happy that you'll give voice to why after school and the 21st Century Learning Centers need to continue to be supported and adequately funded by our Congress. Always remember that it is our Congress. You know, they're elected by the people. You might not have voted. You might not have voted for them. But they're our representatives. They put their pants on one leg at a time, just like you do. I had a father who didn't even go to high school. And uh, he would talk to anybody. He used to embarrass us as kids. But your job is not to be embarrassed. Your job is to tell what you know about after school to make something happen. I'm Terry Peterson. I've the pleasure to be kind of moderating this panel this afternoon, and we got a terrific set of people and experiences. I've had the rare opportunity and pleasure to work from the schoolhouse to the statehouse to the White House. I'm a researcher, educator, parent of five, grandparent of five, policymaker, and now I chair the After School Alliance. You can tell by my gray hair, I've been around a bit, I've seen most anything. So if you tell me it won't work, I probably won't believe you. So uh, anything can work if you really work at it. And it's sometimes the best thing that comes out is when you have the toughest challenge. And right now, we might be in the middle of that in our field. What we know is that quality, expanded learning opportunities after school and summers are essential for many of our young people to succeed, achieve, and be safe. That's just the way it is. Some people don't like it, but that's the way it is. And you shouldn't back down from telling people it. You should give them examples, have concrete tools, and that's what our panel is going to be about. And what I'm going to do now is very quickly run in, run through some new research on the impact of after school, summer learning. And uh, then after that, I'm going to introduce some fine panelists who actually use research and do research to share how we can do it better. The first one I want to share with you is the review and analysis of 68 after-school program studies by Durlach and Weisberg. Remember what I said. This is a study of 68 studies. It's not one study. It's 68 studies. And what they find is that high-quality after-school programs, let me repeat, high-quality programs are making a positive difference for student success from better attendance and behavior to better grades and test scores. There's a lot of interest now in many of our communities and states in reducing the dropout rate. And what you'll find when you dig into research on dropout rates, what are the things you need to do to turn kids around? Improve their attendance, improve their behavior, improve their homework, improve their grades, and improve their reading and math. And what Durlach and Weisberg have found is that quality programs, by the way, let me add, the focus of the program isn't just achievement. The main focus of their programs is social and emotional development and academic achievement. And they get these kind of results. I've worked in school reform a long time. Many folks would die for these kind of results from anything they do. So this is remarkable. Despite this growing body of research showing positive impact, we still struggle, as you know, to secure adequate funding for the 21st century community learning centers. So we have cuts taking place in many communities, unfortunately. We have states that were going to get into this, have not gotten into this or backed out, and now we have the 21st century money. It's become even more important. We need to increase the funding, not decrease it. As you can see, we did a pretty good job for a number of years, from growing from 40 million up to 1.1 billion. Then we kind of are waffling around. The challenge now, next year, is can we hold what we have? Or will it be wiped out? Or could we get an increase? 21st century programs, in um, talking with a number of legislators or congressmen and women over the country, it's an interesting issue because it kind of hits the sweet spot of Republicans and Democrats. It's not a mandate. It's not saying you got to go to this and do this. It's funding that allows a local community and school to get together to offer what they need to help young people succeed. That is, that's right in the middle of America. So use that in telling the story when you're meeting with your folks tomorrow and the successes you've had. First, let me introduce Carol McElveen of American Institutes for Research. Second panelist, Joe Davis, is now with the Florida After School Network, but for many years was the bureau chief from the Florida Department of Education. So Richard Togley, I've known a great long time in many jobs. Uh, Most recently from Higher Achievement, Richard was CEO of Higher Achievement for six years, a terrific after school and summer learning program. He's transitioning from that position. He also has been a national thought leader on the importance of summer learning opportunities and chairs the National Summer Learning Association. There's been dozens of studies in the past decade on the program impacts of after school. Yet as we've seen and talked about, we face budget cuts, not much interest in increasing budgets as we should. In your work, what have you learned about what after-school programs do for students that resonates with the public?
3: I'll I'll go first with that. Um, uh, Being at the Florida Department of Education, the the thing that that really uh, uh, came home to roost the most with me and what I learned was that uh, after-school is really the missing link uh, in in terms of striving uh, uh, toward students gaining further student achievement. And in our, in our programs in Florida, we saw that very clearly uh, through our evaluation, our statewide evaluation data. We saw that our programs uh, were seeing uh, gains in reading scores and math scores as well as, as in GPA uh, across the board uh, throughout the state. And so we, we really fed off of that. And and I think that the important part of after school uh, in terms of being a missing link is, is the... Uh, relaxed atmosphere that exists for in an after school setting, uh, students can go and be a part of uh, an experience uh, that there 's not a lot of pressure uh, there 's uh, there's, there's not typically a test at the end of their activities uh, and, and in doing so they're able to learn. Uh, they 're really able to learn how to learn and, and, and learn to enjoy learning and, and they can do that in a setting that 's much more friendly than the regular school day
2: okay, knowing this. Uh, what is a good program? What are some ingredients of a quality program? How can you boil it down to the bare essences?
4: Well, I'll start with that one then, because I, I really, because <laughs> it really builds on what you said. That intentionality piece is really critical. Um, not just I mean, a lot of times what we see in not so high quality programs is somebody wrote a grant they got it they said okay we have three hours what are we going to do we're going to have snack we're going to do this we're going to do this it's not thinking about what do our kids need um and and what how can we help build, bring in people from the community to help us meet those needs clearly that happened in brooklyn um, that that folks have gotten together. That's not just people at the school who are, are having an impact on those kids' lives. So, and, and it's really, I mean, even in that little clip, you could see how key relationships are to, uh, to kids, um, especially the kids in 21st century programs. We're hitting kids who are really having completely stressed out lives. So, and probably... Uh, they, they've had all kinds of challenges at home. Um, they have challenges during the school day. And the after-school environment can be a place where they're given support and encouragement just by how is your day-to-day? What can, uh, what, what can we do for you? Just acknowledging someone's existence and knowing that they're there is, um, really can, can be a, a life-changer for kids. So those, are, so those are some of the key elements that I think are important.
2: Building on that, getting into actually using information and data for day-to-day, weekly, monthly improvement. We don't do that well, and I think you just gave us the reason why we need to do it well. So throwing it back to you all, how do you do that well? How do you use data and information for continuous improvement in a way that
5: folks on the ground are willing to be part of? Let me let me answer that first because this is this is an organizational culture challenge. You've got to embrace evaluation. You don't need to be afraid of evaluation. So what if you provide if you found out a year later that you have negative findings? You should use that to then redesign or 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 uh, change the approach in which your program is based. But the fear of evaluation whether in the staffing structure or in the in the funding of evaluation or the impl- implementation of that who conducts the research those are all solvable problems but but embracing uh, evaluation as a key element of improvement of quality and delivery and impact that's the first thing that i think organizations really need to uh, to get over evaluation is not enemy it's it's actually a very good friend because it inf- informs how well or how well you need to change your approach if, if the if the findings are negative and i've always told people nobody has locked up its doors because the negative the findings were negative basically it allows you to uh to rehab uh, a very intentional again focused communication strategy it allows you to really um uh, get the board and the staff rallying together and say what should we do about this uh it it gets people really involved in, in what it is that we do and have to do in order to produce the outcomes that we want to produce. I'd like to
2: invite Eric Gurna to join us on stage. He's the Executive Director of Development Without Limits.
0: One thing that I was struck with was the notion, um, Joe mentioned right in the beginning of, of the panel, um, you don't you don't usually see testing in after-school programs. And uh, you know we don't usually, it's a more relaxed environment, more flexible. and. Um, I believe Carol mentioned um, some more of the same, just the, the program environment um, being, being different from the school day. And that the, the notion of quality is really about intentionality um, at, the, at the base of it, that you need intentionality in order to have quality. And I completely agree with those things. But there are some things happening in the field and in the larger culture in education that really worry me. In the last couple years, I have started to see after-school programs actually testing in their programs. They're diagnostic tests, so that they can see where um, students need help, um, so that they can see if their uh, activities are, are making a difference. But the kids experience them as tests. Whether they're diagnostic tests or their high-stakes tests, the kids experience them as another test. And it's happening in the after-school program, not in the regular school day. And so I think that, that we really have to address Um, this fixation on high-stakes tests and the fixation on scores. And I believe it's part of a larger cultural fixation on trying to sort of turn everything into numbers and treat people as numbers. And if we can be part of a cultural movement that resists that, and I believe we are and can be part of that, that we can focus on the kind of quality programming that the panel was describing. It's not just about... Um, the fixation on test scores. It's about the fixation with easy quantification. Much of this is backed by um, billionaires (laughs) who don't have any professional experience in education, who don't have any research experience in education or youth development, but have decided that they know and that the people that they've aligned with them know what is best for education. Many of us in the field don't agree. We know from our own experience that if we connect with what helps young people to grow up, to become successful, independent, creative people, we're doing something better for our schools, we're doing something better for our, our workplace and our employers, we're doing something better, better for the public space, and more than anything, we're doing something better for the people who we should be truly accountable to, which is the young people and families that we work for. Thank you. Thank you. So that was the panel which kicked off the After School For All Challenge on the first day, and now you're going to hear a little bit from the second day, which started off with the annual Breakfast of Champions, an event held up on Capitol Hill where the After School Alliance honors people who have uh, had an impact on the after school field. This year they honored 11 individuals for their extraordinary support for after school programs. Those included the co-founders of Project Exploration, Paul Sereno and Gabrielle Leon, as well as the 2012 after-school state champions. Um, Individuals from several states, California, Florida, Kansas, Nevada, New York, Ohio, and Pennsylvania, all of whom had a unique impact on the field in their state and nationally. Anywhere from executive directors and leaders of organizations to policymakers, uh, to those involved in in research and supporting the field as a whole. So it was an uh, exciting event, a lot of speakers, a lot of uh, energy Um, and enthusiasm. Um, Unfortunately, like the panel, we couldn't record everything, or we recorded everything, but we couldn't include everything in the podcast, but you'll hear from a couple of young people who told the stories of how after-school programs have affected them and also told us about their own activism, Um, and you'll hear from a couple of policymakers as well. You'll hear from TV's Hercules, Kevin Sorbo, who emceed the event, and a few of the distinguished speakers.
1: Thankfully, not only do we have all of your voices, but we have some very powerful voices and allies making the case for after school. Kevin's after school work started in 1997 with the California-based World Fit for Kids. We're so honored to have him as a national spokesman for after school. Proud and very, very grateful to have him lead our Breakfast of Champions this morning. Please join me in a very warm welcome for our hero, Kevin Sorbo.
6: Every kid deserves the kind of opportunity and support that, that a program like a World Fit for Kids sets up and programs like you have. Every kid deserves an opportunity. There are one in four kids who are alone and unsupervised after school, and in a country that's dedicated to progress, this is shameful. It really is. It's shameful.
7: My name's Adrian Izagiri, uh, and I'm a case you in room. I was asked to give a couple words on how this, these after school programs have impacted me in very different ways. Uh, when I entered high school, before I entered high school, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, and I wasn't in the best shape you know, I was overweight, and I, would gain, I lost a lot of weight when I entered. And then I entered tennis and marathon running, and it helped me gain focus on my health. It helped me grow, and I, I've had control of my diabetes all this time. Uh, just recently, a year ago, I got an insulin pump, and that was within three years, and that's something that's very quick for people. And I know these programs help me gain focus on them, and that's how I was able to get the insulin pump quick because I had to make sure I was on track, and these programs did help me keep on track. Uh, They've also helped me grow in these public speaking skills as I'm speaking to you (laughs) today. They've been a very significant source. Uh, I'm also an intern at SCI, Service Corporation International. It's a Fortune 800 company. And I got that internship through a program called Genesis Works. And in that program we had, they were very rigorous. And they needed us to be out there and not be afraid. And I know these programs such as CASE and all these other things that we do, they've they've been very helpful for me in that when I entered, I wasn't afraid to go out and communicate and say, I need to get things done. You know, I'm working in a corporate tax department with people that are 30, 40 years old and 20 years of experience in accounting, and I'm just a high school student, and I'm doing the same work they do, running auto reports, revising, all these things, and I've saved my company thousands of dollars within this eight months that I've been in the company. And I know these programs, Thank you. Thank you so these programs are very helpful to me. They, they helped me evolve within four years from this shy kid, you know, with no with no idea what to do, what his future would be. And they've just helped me evolve. Now uh, in the fall I'll be attending university in North Texas. Uh, they offered to pay my tuition and fees. I have twenty some thousand dollars in scholarship already and I'm just ready and I'm excited and I know these programs were one of the main reasons why I was able to do all this. And it is important that we advocate for these programs to keep the funding and help them grow. Because you know, twenty years from now we're, we're gonna be the ones sitting here watching the other students. You know, we're gonna be the congressman. We're gonna be, you know, the CEO of the company. We can have the next Mark Zuckerberg in here. We don't even know. You know, things like that. And, that, and that's, why these, that's why these programs are very important. So it's important that we go out there today, make sure our congressmen and senators and representatives know that these are the vital things that we need in our schools. Because they, we have a voice But these programs help Elevate the volume of our voice and make sure that we're heard. So that's why we need to go out and do this today. Thank you.
6: Connecticut Representative Rosa DeLora in the house.
8: Good morning. My God, how great to be here with all of you. Look at this crowd and it's energized because you need energy today. You're going to go around and tell people what they need to hear about the after school program. I want you to know that I feel very proprietary about the after-school program. Reason why? Many, many years ago, I taught in the after-school program in New Haven, Connecticut. I taught modern dance, if you could believe that, Uh, and I taught calligraphy, uh, and, and, and it was the most wonderful and rewarding experience. Of, uh, of, of my career. I wish I could have taught tap dancing. I'm a much better tap dancer than a modern dancer, but I wanted to tell you that this is, is the reality for me about what the after school program means. For your advocacy, we thank you for your support of the Alliance, for the hard work that you put in each and every day. You help our youngsters. You help them to learn, to grow, and to reach their utmost potential. Uh, you take the time You take the time with them and you make a difference in their lives. You have my continued support, whether it's in the House of Representatives, whether it's at the White House, whether it's in the Senate, to make sure that we fund the after school programs and get short change. Extended day learning, but it shouldn't come at the expense of after-school programs. That's what we need to get across. Now, you're here today, as I said, you're going out. You're going to knock on doors. I understand you have over 200 appointments with 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 members of Congress. When you get there, don't take no for an answer. <laughs>
6: Please join me in extending a warm welcome to Senator Sheldon Whitehouse.
9: I came to this uh, in a less happy way than others. I came to it as Attorney General. When our police departments were constantly talking to me about this spike of activity that took place and all the calls that they'd have to respond to in that period between when schools got out and when parents came home. And the more we looked into that, the more we realized that this was not helping these children in their development to have this unsupervised time. And uh, that's really the beginning of what became the Providence After School Alliance. And the progress that we've seen has really been phenomenal. Um, the Providence After School Alliance has proven that the fact that it's a community after school alliance does not prevent it from integrating effectively with the schools. Indeed, the folks in the schools believe that the outreach that the community program provides is actually a force enabler for them as teachers, that new outside folks come in to deal with uh, the after-school program, and then from there they begin to connect more with the school. So thank you for what you do. Count me an ally. I'm very, very appreciative of your advocacy and your work, and we are looking forward uh, to continuing a partnership that continues the strength of the After-School Alliance for the sake of our kids around the country. Thank you for what you do very, very much.
6: We're honored now to welcome the 2012 Breakfast of Champions, Senator Barbara Boxer, who is a true champion for our nation's children and a critical and tireless supporter of after-school funding. It's so
10: wonderful to be introduced by a constituent. You know, I, I, on the way over here, I realized that it was 10 years ago. I actually was 11 years ago that I teamed up with then-Senator John Ensign to, uh, to write the very first after-school bill for the federal government, 11 years ago. And it passed a year later. So this is the 10th anniversary of the first-ever federal funding. So happy 10th anniversary <laughs> to you. And since that time, literally millions of kids have gotten that after-school asset um, because of your work and people who worked in those chairs before you. I guess I stand before you, and I'm perplexed as to why we have to fight for this every single year. It breaks my heart. One year, I actually had to come up and testify. This was when W. was president, and he had a 50 percent cut in the program. A 50% cut in a program that is so underfunded. It's supposed to be funded now at $3 billion. It's funded at a $1 billion. Now, if you look at what we're spending in Iraq and Afghanistan, even as the wars, thank God, are coming to an end, it's billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars a month. We're spending $1 billion a year on our children in after school when millions, millions of our kids are waiting to get into program. As the president said, it's time to rebuild America and it starts with our kids and everyone says it, now make them prove it. So be tough and sweet. (laughs) Be harsh, but smile. We have been successful thus far at preserving a, a program that is much more than just a program. It changes lives. So thank you one and all and onward and upward and let's get this done. Thank you very much. Thank you.
6: This uh, young gentleman is coming up right now. He is um, he has a powerful powerful after school program story to talk about. His name is Pobo a uh, uh, team at middle school, IS-318, the most winning middle school team in the entire United States. And the remarkable story of IS-318 in its after-school after chess program is it's chronicled in a new documentary called Brooklyn Castle, which I haven't seen yet, but I am going to see it. As the kids work their hardest to bring home another trophy, budget cuts eat away at the after-school program, which is so typical, whatever we find successful that are helping kids develop, we decide, ah, oh, let's get rid of that. I don't get it. It's a story arc that we're all too familiar with. But Brooklyn Castle makes the story come alive through the hopes and dreams and hard work of some very determined middle schoolers. Uh, Brooklyn Castle brings the story of after school to wider audiences, and it uh, will help mobilize Americans to support after school. Uh, Popo has a starring role in Brooklyn Castle, which just won the Audience Award at SXSW and is making the circuit of Film Festivals all across the country. And when he's not attending film premieres, Pobo coaches the IS-318 chess team after school. Please give a big welcome to Pobo Hefekoro.
11: Basically, I'm here to tell you guys today uh, of my successes and key skills that I've attained uh, through the various after school programs. Not just chess, but the many other after school programs uh, at IS-318. Um, so attending after school programs began for me in the second grade when I joined the PS-308 school choir. believe it or not. And I've been engaged in after-school programs and extracurricular activities in all of my schools since. All of these programs put together has helped me develop a rigorous work ethic where I'm occupied with certain work all of the time. This has had a profound effect on me and still does today. It's safe to say that I'm the only sophomore in my school that works seven days a week. Monday to Friday, I'm going to school. Saturday, I coach chess. And Sundays, I just got a job for tutoring chess. This has kept me occupied giving my mom a of mind. <laughs> because she knows where I'm at. All of this work also keeps me out of danger, which lurks outside of my works on a daily basis. For me, after school programs have helped me in in various ways and I'm so delighted and proud to have been a participant in all of these after school programs and to be a strong advocate for such programs. If these programs go due to underfunding and defunding, it will be a shame. Many programs like these benefit students from across this great nation. These students are our future, the next generation, the next congressman, congresswoman, the next bankers on Wall Street, the next scientists, and the next engineers that bring ideas and innovation to the table. If we allow these programs to slip under the water, then that will be damaging the future of this country. Therefore, I urge Congress and other elected officials across our country to take action, continue funding for these vital programs, and reinstate other lost programs so that students may benefit and enjoy the success that i enjoyed and still do let's let our students gain the knowledge and the key skills needed to go out and put great innovations and ideas to work and most importantly let them enjoy themselves and have fun thank you very much and, I
0: and those were some highlights from the breakfast of champions once the breakfast of champions was over Everyone sort of gathered in their groups um, by state and went about going on um, multiple appointments with congresspeople and senators. Some got to meet with the actual policymakers, and some got to meet with their staff members. Um, and you know, I think, I think everybody had you know, a unique experience with each of those meetings, but we will tag along with Julie Wild Curry of the 21st Century Programs in Fairbanks, Alaska, and uh, talk to her a little bit before she goes into the meeting. You'll hear some highlights from her meeting with her senator, and then we'll talk to her a little bit when she comes out of the meeting. So I'm here in the Hart Senate office building and sort of tagging along on uh, one of the many trips to senators and and, and, uh, representatives' office today as part of the After School for All Challenge. And I'm here with Julie Wild Curry from Fairbanks, Alaska. Thanks for doing this, Julie.
12: Yeah, no problem.
0: So we are actually um, standing right outside of Senator Murkowski's office, Senator Murkowski from Alaska, um, and you have an appointment to to meet with her in a few minutes. Um, You've just been through this whole after-school challenge over the last couple of days, and I'm just wondering, um, you know, what's your plan for the meeting? What do you hope to get out of it?
12: Well, um, Senator Murkowski has been a huge supporter of after-school programs and 21st Century Community Learning Centers in Alaska. She has done that ever since she actually arrived here. And so we in Alaska really appreciate that. And so this meeting will generally be about um, thanking her for all of her support um, talking about the the support she recently gave, and um, we worked on language for the ESEA re- reauthorization. And then she is the co-sponsor with Senator Boxer of the new legislation, and it's that's bipartisanship and. Mm-hmm. and that is huge and especially in these times to have that and so Senator Murkowski has always reached out to us when she has wanted more information on our programs we've shared our Alaska story about the um, real success we're having with the programs and we want her continued support for that so this meeting is really about thanking her for all of that and sharing with her you know our recent evaluations and information
0: so you're sort of one of the lucky ones because you're going in knowing that this person is already a supporter, already yes. an active ally. Um, and so you get to... And you already have a relationship. Correct. Um, so, which is great for you. Yeah. Um, is there is there any... if If you had... To pick one or two sort of pieces of information or feelings or thoughts that the senator leaves the meeting with, what would you have her sort of take away from it as just like the quick takeaways?
12: The quick takeaways would be while while we have these successes in Alaska, we recently had a new grant proposals uh, that were awarded. And when we think about that, only four were were awarded and 17 school districts applied so the need is still much greater than what we have available in alaska and it's critical um for for her to know that and for her to continue supporting but also look at other funding for it so
0: it it looks like they're they're just about ready for us so let's head into the meeting and uh, we'll see how we do
12: okay thanks
0: thank you for letting me tag along yeah
12: so Senator Boxer actually talked about you this morning at the Breakfast of Champions, and and how important it is that we recognize the bipartisanship on this because we don't get a lot of that. We need yeah. the
13: folks that are making things happen on the ground, yeah. give us input back here so that when you the when the legislation is developed, it's it's
12: it's relevant. It's
13: relevant. Yeah. It's what we had hoped it would be, yeah. rather than. Policy makers back here thinking we know
12: and understand yeah. what's going on
13: on the ground. With the with the grant recipients that we have currently, how many kids do you estimate we
12: serve? Um, we serve. I think it's about 5,000 students No, across Across the state. state, Which, um, when you you put it into the population as a whole, that's not reaching out to very many kids. And when you look at, I think in this last grant process, 1.2 million was awarded Mm -hmm. around the state, and Terry said 5.8 million was applied for. (laughs) There hasn't been a new grant available in three and a half years, and they weren't Mm -hmm. even sure if they were going to put one out. I think we talked about that last year because Terry was concerned about whether the funding was really coming through or not. At the state level, they mm -hmm. have to be assured of that before they're going to put something out. Mm -hmm. And so it actually came out much later than it normally does (laughs) with a shorter time frame to get it completed and mm. you know so those are those are always things mm. that factor in when you're running programs and also having to put forth a competitive application yeah. um but I do know that in Alaska the majority of people support it it's bipartisan mm-hmm. support for mm-hmm. after school programs not only 21st century programs which you know target a certain need students who are struggling with school and um, don't and, and actually need the extra assistance academically as well as the enrichment piece. And then uh, the faith-based organizations, mm-hmm. uh, Boys and Girls Club, mm-hmm. Campfire. Camp Fire. Mm-hmm. Um, we're lucky in Alaska that we talk to each other, as you know, and we've seen programs shrink.
13: I worry about uh, what is happening. And not only with, within the programs like we have with 21st Century, but um, as you mentioned, the, the, the programs that have mm-hmm. been kind of picking up the pieces historically. Yeah. And uh, uh, Campfire is a great example, yeah. doing a great job. Yes. But they, too, have had to realign yeah. and um, as, as their dollars yeah. that come to them are, are shrinking. Yeah. And it's hard out there.
12: What do you do during the summer? We were just talking about that. I was I was telling Karen that um, we do have a few 21st century programs that have expanded to doing summer programs. We do um, actually we have four sites in Fairbanks. We have three elementary sites and one middle school site that we'll be doing the month of June. Mm-hmm. And then Matt Sue runs a summer program with their alternative um, 21st century program, and they do mm-hmm. a great job with that. Now, there are other programs, um, for example, Joel's Place runs a great summer program mm-hmm. for kids, it's faith-based, and they use AmeriCorps, mm-hmm. and then we have Boys and Girls Club, who runs a, a program as well, but summer is a, another uh, portion of time, when you consider, we have three months oh, off, and mm-hmm. the summer learning loss, yeah. for kids especially who are struggling with school. Yeah. And we were able to pilot a few programs last year and, and expand by one this year. And I just see that increasing because, again, we're already full and parents are looking for other possibilities. And, you know, the resources are what they are. So kids, um, you know, we're measuring... And, and looking at the data between kids who not only go to after school but kids who get the summer program and whether we're seeing any any uh, long term difference. And of course we're in our second year of doing that, so hopefully we'll be able to see some results from that as well. Well but keep doing what you're doing and you because keep doing it's what working what you're doing because <laughs> really we working. really appreciate it in Alaska and like I said, to have bipartisanship agreement on this is, is huge, and um, anything we can do to help provide more information that will help you um, sell it to to other senators, we're more than happy to do that. Well, so. and,
13: and I would ask you to do just that, okay. is, is keep, us, keep us informed in terms of what you're seeing with the numbers, okay. who we're serving. Um, if we're not able to, to serve all those populations, mm-hmm. how we try to piece it together to just better understand uh, where our successes are and where we need to be pushing a little bit harder. Okay, so no. that's what it's all about. Yeah. Keep it up. Well, thank you. You too. Good okay. to see you, Julie. Good to I'm see good you good too. To
0: you. Okay, so we just came out of the, the meeting with the senator, and um, I know you are – I'll grab my bag because okay. I know you're – You're literally rushing off to another meeting with another senator. But uh, how did you feel it went?
12: I felt it went very well. Senator Murkowski was very responsive to the need and had very good questions about um, where we are on the map in Alaska. And so it was very good to actually meet with her today and really share um, what's going on in Alaska and... How, how we still need further fund- funding for the needs that we have.
0: And uh, is there anything that you might have done differently, or is there anything that you might, any advice you might pass on to, to your colleagues who are having other meetings based on the experience you just had?
12: Well, I would say, you know, I, I am one of the lucky ones, but the reason for that is I've been doing this for about 10 years now, and so it is developing that relationship and staying in touch with your senators with your the staffers as well that work with with um the senators because they will call on you to provide information at critical times and we have to be available to do that and when you do that um and you are also providing programs that are working um you will see success and you will get their support so
0: Great. So we're getting a little awkward. We're getting actually literally getting on the elevator. So we'll sign off here. But thanks so much for letting me tag along with you on on that on that meeting.
12: No problem. Thanks, right.
0: sir. Good luck in your next meeting. Okay. So that was the After School for All Challenge 2012. If you want to learn more about the After School Alliance, the After School for All Challenge, or to see and download some of the research that was mentioned, to get other tools to help you advocate for after school programs in your community, your state, and across the country go to www.afterschoolalliance.org. And don't forget to check out the documentary Brooklyn Castle at brooklyncastle.com. I'd like to thank the After School Alliance again for sponsoring Please Speak Freely and giving me the opportunity to to record all of these things that you just heard. And I want to thank you for listening. Uh, Remember, if you are enjoying Please Speak Freely and you want others to be able to hear it, please do go on to iTunes, give us a rating or a review. It helps us tremendously. Um, and you know, send me an email or hit me up on Twitter if you have any kind of feedback or any suggestions for the podcast. I've really been enjoying uh, getting feedback from people and hearing from you. So um, that's Eric Gurna at developmentwithoutlimits.org or at Eric Gurna on Twitter. And you can ch- check us out on our website, developmentwithoutlimits.org. And thanks for listening. <laughs>